Those of you who grew up here in Kansas, you know there's not much to do for a young person in Kansas. And so once we were old enough to drive, or at least one of our friends was old enough to drive, <clears throat> the question became, where are we going to go tonight? And uh, you had to make a careful choice. I mean, you could probably go to Charleston, uh, maybe go to Mattoon, maybe go down to Casey, or possibly go to Paris. But really, once you've made that choice, you're limited to whatever, whatever you're going to do there. So the question was always where we're going to go and what are we going to do? And then came the time, the process that I had to go through anyway of talking to my parents about it. Uh, believe it or not, it was mom specifically. I would say, hey mom, do you mind if we, can we go to Charleston tonight? And the question would come back, what are you going to do? And that was the easy question. Because all I had to say was, we're going to we're going out for pizza. We're going to go to Polly Eyes. We're going to go to Monocles. Or we're going to get burgers. We're going to see a movie. You know, whatever sounded innocent enough. But then came the tough question. The tough question was not, where are you going to go? The tough question was not, what are, what are you going to do? The tough question was, who's going with you? And that's where I may have had to lie a little bit. Uh, or at least, if not lie, there were certain friends whose names... I knew to emphasize. I could always tell her, oh, with Jeff Reardon, he's a stand-up guy. He's a good guy. That was fine. But there were a few other friends who I, whose names I won't mention because some of you are related to them, Bob. Uh, and, uh, and some of them do watch us online and I don't want them to think, was I that bad? Yes, you were that bad. Uh, but my parents were really cautious around some of them. They didn't necessarily want me, you know, they didn't want me to be around bad influences. You know, that was, that was their concern. <sighs> and so I, I had to answer that question carefully. And sometimes there were names that I had to leave off the list, or other times there were names that I had to emphasize, even if that person wasn't necessarily going with us that night. Well... We've been out with Moses, out in the wilderness, out in front of the, the burning bush. And we've heard a lot of questions in front of the burning bush. Questions from Moses and also questions from God. Moses has had his questions. Moses asked, who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh and make these requests? And, and then he asked God the question, who are you? Of all the gods that we know of in Egypt, which God shall I say is sending me? And so he asked God, who are you? And God's had his questions too. God asked Moses the question, what's that in your hand? He says, well, it's a, it's a shepherd's staff is what he had in his hand. But here's a question. There's a question here that is hanging in the air between God and Moses. Uh, neither one of them are asking it, but they are. Neither one of them are answering it. Well, it, it does eventually get answered. The question that's hanging in the air is, who's going with you? Who's going to go along on this journey? Who's going to serve beside you? And that's, that's the question that is asked and answered in, in Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 10 and taking us into verse 17. If you're using those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 47 again. And again, if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, you can go there and you can find my Scripture references right there. Exodus chapter 4, 10 through 17. We are social creatures, you know? We are, we are social beings. It's, that's important to who we are, even when our social life may, you know, cause our mothers some problems and some concerns. 
But we work best when we're in connection with other people. What's the very first thing God says is not good? He says there in Genesis, it is not good that man is alone. It is necessary for us to have others. That's why when He calls us, He calls us together. He calls us to be a church, not just individual. There are no lone Christians. You know, There may be lone rangers, but there's no lone Christians. He calls us together. And yet out here in front of the burning bush, Moses feels very alone. And he's got his reasons for feeling alone. Out here in front of the burning bush, in front of the presence of God, Moses feels very alone with his failings. And those are two things that Moses has felt for the last 40 years. He has felt alone and he has felt like a failure. I'll remind you again why he ran away to Midian, why he is out here. He killed a man back in Egypt, killed an Egyptian slave driver. He tried to hide it, tried to cover the body up, but he got found out. And so he ran. And so for 40 years, 40 years, he's been away from his home, away from his people, away from his identity. For 40 years, he's been carrying that stick. He's been a shepherd for his father-in-law. 40 years of failure, 40 years of being alone, and 10 minutes in front of a burning bush is not going to fix that. And you see that all the time with people. You see that all the time today. You see someone that... You know people who have been just beaten down by life. People who have just had a horrible, horrible time. They, they've experienced a lifetime of abuse. They've experienced a lifetime of, of trauma. And then someone comes along and they tell them, I've got four steps to a healthier attitude. No, you don't. <laughs> 90 days to a better you. You can't fix 40 years of trauma in 90 days. It takes time. You're you're going to have to retrain your heart, retrain your brain. You're going to have to learn how to trust people finally. You're going to have to learn how to work with others. 40 years of unhealthy habits, of bad patterns of behavior are not fixed with 10 minutes in front of a burning bush. And in the meantime, when you're that person, you're grieving who you have become. You're grieving what's been done to you. You're grieving everything that you aren't. But even here, you can't forget that's that's holy ground. And God promises to meet you on holy ground. And so you hear the reassurances that God offers Moses. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Moses says, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Moses is still viewing his calling in light of his own circumstances. He's still seeing the calling that God gives him in view of his failure of everything that he lacks, everything that he isn't. So Moses starts telling God what he can't do. Here's what I can't do. I can't speak. I can't serve. It's not just that I don't know how. I've never been able to do these things. There in verse 10, again, he says, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I've always been like this. Moses is not willing to grow beyond his own limits. 
He's not willing to grow beyond who he's always been. He doesn't think he can do this. I'm afraid there are times when we worship our failure more than we worship God. We will sing about our failures and we will tell the stories of all the things that we can't do. I can't do this. I can't do that. Before we ever talk about what God is capable of doing through us. There are times when when we are more convinced of what we can't do than what God can do even through us. That's not faith. And that is not hope. The reality is when, when you step out onto holy ground, you will be called to go beyond your comfort zone. You know, feeling uncomfortable is just a sign that your comfort zone can't keep up with you. That your comfort zone is not growing as fast as you are growing. But you know, you will never be called to go there alone. Because what Moses learns out here What Moses learns out there in the burning bush and what we need to learn in here, what we have to learn as part of the church, is that what we lack in ourselves, we find in community. We find in the relationships we have with each other. Again and again, Moses offers excuses. Moses offers excuses, God offers Himself. And yet it's not enough. Verse 13 again, Moses says, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. He doesn't want to do this. My Lord, please send someone else. There's something happening in this verse that is kind of hard for you and me to see in your English Bible. If you got your Bible, take a look at verse 13. Actually, back up to verse 11. It's there in verse 11 you see the word Lord, right? You see the name Lord. And you'll notice in verse 11, Lord is in all capital letters. Capital L, capital O-R-D. All capitals. That means, whenever you see that, that's a little hint to you and me from the translator that that is actually the name of God. We've done this for thousands of years. Instead of translating the name of God, we use the word Lord because the name of God is holy and we don't want to misuse it. And so, anytime you see capital L-O-R-D, it means Yahweh. That is the name of God. The name that God has just given Moses. Back in chapter 3, verse 14, when Moses asked God, who will I say is sending me? He says, you tell them, I am. I am that I am. I am sends you. Yahweh. This is my name. This is my name forever. This is to be my name through all generations. Now look at verse 13 again. But Moses said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. You notice it's not all caps? No. It's just the word Lord. It's a, it's a term of respect. Hebrew is Adonai, right there. It means Lord. It's someone worthy of respect. But it's not the name that God gave Moses. It's not the name that He told Moses to use. It's not the name that He says, this will be My name through all generations. In His failure, in Moses' failure, He has cut Himself off from relationship with God. He does not feel comfortable using the name of God. Moses feels very alone. But you know, he's not alone. He's not really alone. Since the very beginning of of this encounter, God's plan has never been to send Moses alone. Chapter 3, verse 18, he says, you and the elders of Israel are going to go do this together. Was Moses not paying attention? It's not just on you, Moses. I'm going to send you with the elders of Israel. Maybe Moses isn't paying attention because God, God gets hot. 
Look at verse 14. The anger, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, well, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. <laughs> you hear that? You hear the tone? You hear the frustration in God's voice? Now some of you, some of you grew up in families where there was some intense sibling rivalry, right? Some of you grew up where there was some sibling rivalry where you were always competing for your parents' attention, competing to see who was the best, who mom and dad liked best. Now that, that happens in every family. It was worse in our family because in our family it turned out that the youngest was actually the one that excelled at everything and made all the other siblings look really bad. They, they agree. But you hear the tone dripping from God's words. Listen to it just dripping from God's words. Isn't your brother Aaron? Isn't he a Levite? He speaks better than you anyway. He, he can talk better than you. And so 14 and 15. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, is there not Aaron your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. And behold, he's coming to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. Moses' problem is he's been looking at this like it's a solo mission. When all the while, God, God wants a team. He's already told him, you're going to go with the elders. You're going to go with the elders of Israel. And now he's telling him, well, your brother, your brother can speak. I can use your brother to speak for me. At every point where Moses has felt like he had a deficit, God has provided other people to work with. At every point where Moses felt like he wasn't enough, he's provided other people also. That's how God still works today. That's how he still uses us today. You see that in the church. You see that in the church from the very beginning. We go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where Paul writes, and he, Christ, he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, he gave the shepherds and the teachers. He didn't give any one person, he gave all of them different gifts, all of us, different gifts to serve together. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, the church, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You hear the goal there to build up the church, to build up the body of Christ to maturity, that doesn't happen if we're just doing it on our own. It only happens together when we serve together, when we help each other. Moses' problem is that for 40 years, he's not had a community. For 40 years, he's not had that family of faith. For 40 years, it's been all up to me. I've got to do it. I've got to do it all. I've got to take care of the sheep. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Those patterns of behavior are really hard to get over. Now, I, I do have an odd question about this passage. This, it's a strange passage. You know, there's a burning bush that talks to a guy. You know, that, that's a weird passage. We'll admit that. But there's one thing that, that kind of puzzles me about this passage also. Do you remember the story of Moses, right? When he was born, his mother placed him, when he was a few months old, his mother placed him in a basket, right? Puts the basket in the river, hides it among the reeds, and that baby in the basket, Moses, gets raised by the daughter of Pharaoh. Does he know he has a brother? Does he even know he has a brother? Does he know who Aaron is? Is this news to him? 
There's really no answer to that question in this passage. Is Aaron a stranger? Well, whether he is or not, he has been for 40 years, right? For 40 years, Moses has been out here. What does he know of his brother from 40 years earlier? And what are the chances that that there is someone that you don't know yet, or you don't know them well, but God has a plan to connect you. God has a plan to connect you, to serve together, to enjoy life together, to refresh each other's other's hearts. What if you were to find that so many of those things that you say, I can't do this, and I, I, I I don't know how to do that. What if that person did those things well? And what if together you could serve together? You know, you'll never find that out if you don't trust God with what He's asking of you now. Because the beauty of how God uses us is in that God doesn't just give us a mission. He gives us each other. God doesn't just give us a mission to accomplish. He gives us each other. And again, much of that is is a matter for us to to get over ourselves and to learn to trust God. Again, Moses is out here. He is alone. He is afraid. He feels like a failure. That's all he's known for 40 years. But what does God know? Look again at verse 14. God knows Aaron is coming out to meet you. (laughs) How does he know that? Well, he's God, right? Right? That's the kind of thing he does. Doug, he's God. He's going to know that kind of stuff. But what else does he know? He says that when Aaron sees you, when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. When he sees you, you know what? You may think you're nothing. You're exactly what he needs. You're exactly what he needs. Verse 16, God goes on and He says, He shall speak for you to the people and He shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to Him. In other words, what you do together will be greater than what either one of you could have done on your own. There are times in the church when we have to ask people to serve. There are times in the church where we have to ask people if they would serve and if they would do something. And very often, when we ask someone to serve, they react a lot like Moses. They disappear for about 40 years. (laughs) Head out to the wilderness and we don't see them much. No. But they will ask the question, well, who am I? (laughs) Why would you want me to do that? Who am I? I? I can't do that. I can't talk. I can't teach. I can't help. I don't know how to do these things. And I wonder if part of our hesitancy isn't just that we feel inadequate, but I wonder if part of our hesitancy is that we feel alone. We feel like this is all up to us. And even more than that, I wonder if as as church leaders, if we've not made it sound like a lonely job. (laughs) If you do this, it's all up to you. It's your baby. From now on, you have to do that. That's your job. When really it's about a team. It's about a group. It's about serving together. And when you serve together, it will make your heart glad. Now hear me. We really do need people to serve. There's a lot of things that that we could use. But we don't need anyone. We don't need anyone to serve alone. We don't need anyone to, to serve alone. We need people to share the work, to share the load, to share the joy. People who will make each other's hearts glad because they are working together. A few weeks ago, Mandy Helander came to me and said, 
think I'd like to start working with Junior Church. I said, I think that'd be great. And she's going to do a great job. Whether she knows it or not, she needs help. <laughs> okay? It would be really great if some other people said, you know, Mandy, we could help you out. We can show you out. You know, Hannah's, Hannah's offering to help as much as she can, but she lives pretty far away now. Uh, but it'd be great. She'll do a great job, but, but she could use some help. I wonder if anybody would be interested in sharing that with her. I'm thinking out loud here. We have wonderful ladies who lead worship on Sunday morning. They do an amazing job. Wouldn't it be cool if one Sunday we had maybe two or three people up here leading worship together? Wouldn't it be cool if we had like three people leading worship together? And wouldn't it be really cool if one of those people was a guy? I think it'd sound great. You know what the great thing about having two or three people leading worship together is? If you're not a very good singer, you can just pretend. <laughs> and you can get by with that for a few weeks. No one will catch you, you know? Just, just mumble a little bit. You'll be fine. I think, I think, you know, every now and then someone will say, you know, we, I, I can't do that. Well, you could do that together. Dave and Chad. Dave and Chad would love to have someone say, can I just watch what you do for a few weeks? Just stand, by, stand back there during worship and watch what you do on the soundboard and with the video. Maybe I could learn to do that, but can I just watch right now? I want to see what it's all about. You ought to see it's far easier than you might think. Hannah does a wonderful job for us of welcoming people during our with our online worship i mean she's she's there making comments in the comment section and she's she's welcoming people we need a couple of people maybe even some of our people who aren't able to attend in person who would be willing to say i would like to be a host for the online worship i'd like to be there to welcome people if they've got prayer requests i could take those prayer requests down and i can get those to you later that would be a wonderful gift right now I would love to have two or three guys who would be willing to get together with me and say, let's talk about starting a men's group. Just a men's meeting in Kansas every now and then. I, think, I don't just think we need it. I think our community needs it. I've talked to some of the guys in our community. They need some direction. They need something to do, and they need a group of guys who would support them. It's a big job if you're doing it by yourself. I've tried. But if you've got two or three guys, and one guy says, I can make a mean pot of chili... And another guy says, I know how to invite people. I know some people we can invite. And another one said, you know what? We could even get a speaker to come in. I know a guy we could get to come in. And then another guy says, after we've eaten your chili, you're going to need someone to fumigate the building. I know how to do that. You share the work. You share the joy. And you refresh each other's hearts. You've heard it said before, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. You probably know the rest of the Exodus story, right? Do they go fast? <laughs> no. Do they go far? Well, yeah, kind of. They go far. There's lots of problems, but in the end, they enter the promised land. They make it home. In the meantime, they face armies. They face giants. They face huge challenges. They have crushing defeats, but they also have some amazing victories. I think 2022 is going to present some huge challenges in our world. But God doesn't just give us a mission. He gives us each other. And since He's given us each other, we can trust Him for the victory. And then the very end, verse 17, God says to Moses, "...and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do all the signs." God says to Moses, "...don't forget your stick." 
It's interesting because it's a tool for leading sheep. God does not say, don't forget your sheep. <laughs> don't forget to take your sheep with you. He never says that. Now He's leaving the sheep behind, but He says, don't forget your stick. Don't forget the lessons that you learned out here. Don't forget the skills that you gained. Don't forget the joys that you found. Why would He need His shepherd's staff? I think, I think it's because of the lessons that He learned about leadership, about care, and about patience. Lesson that He's going to need to have if He's going to work with people. So what has God taken you through already that you can use for where He takes you next? What is He taking you through that you can use with someone else for where He takes you next? What have you learned even in those dark times, even in those alone times? What have you learned that, that you can use now? <laughs> Don't forget your stick. Don't forget your stick. Don't forget those lessons learned, the skills gained, the joys found. Don't forget that the God who brought you out to holy ground, He also brings you together. And when He uses you, He will use you together to bring hope to people who are in need of Him. So, as mom would ask, who's going with you? And Who are you going with? We're going to sing here in just a moment. We're going to sing holy ground again. I know you love to stand when we sing Holy Ground, so feel free to stand when we sing Holy Ground. And it's a beautiful song, and it makes us think of beautiful things. But make sure it reminds you also of the dark, difficult times. Maybe it reminds you also of the people who were there, not just to comfort you, not just to bring you hope, but to show you that you weren't alone. You know, someone in your life needs to know that. And it may be that you bring holy ground to them. And when, it do, when, they, when, when you do, just like Aaron, you're going to refresh their hearts. You're going to make their hearts joyful. Let me pray. We'll sing together. Let's pray. Father, we could think of all the difficult times in life. Times when we felt like we just weren't enough. Times when someone else came, came along and brought us comfort, brought us peace, and brought us into Your presence. Lord, those moments were holy ground. Someone in our life right now needs to find that kind of holy ground. And I pray Your blessing as we, as we serve together, as we love together, as we care for those in need. Lord, I, I've shared some vision that I have of some things that need to happen around here. Maybe someone else has something else in mind. We would love to, to be a part of that. We'd love to be able to, um, to see You use us to, to serve and to bless. And right now, we come as You've called us. We come to take the cup, to take the bread, to remind ourselves that, that in our greatest need, You sent, our son. You sent Your Son so that we might, uh, so we might know You better. We thank You for this blessing. Bless this time together. And... Uh, I pray that, that through, through coming close to You, we might come close to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.